1: Use the promo code Big
2: Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co-host Nick Bilotto. It is time to give our final thoughts on this Giants divisional game. Look, we've done a lot of work this week. We've watched a lot of tape. We've had on guests. We've broken down the tape on the last game, but you know, we're almost there. We're almost at the finish line being this divisional game, Giants, Eagles, Saturday night. And we wanted to kind of do one more podcast, just giving our final thoughts, talking through some things about this matchup and anything on our mind. Maybe, maybe this serves as like a, um, what's it called? Like a, uh, almost like a therapeutic session for giants fans, but also we want it to be kind of like a pump up session because we do feel like the giants can compete in this game. I know you might've heard our predictions in the last one. Uh, Neither Nick or I will predict the giants to win this game, which is just, we're trying to keep it real here. Look, I want to keep my streak up now. I'm kidding. I'd love for my streak to be broken in this one. And I drop below that 85% mark. But we got to keep it real and talk about the matchup as it is. And this is obviously going to be a tough one for the Giants. But there are ways for the Giants to win this football game. And that's what we'll discuss today. But I want to start this podcast, Nick, with something that Giants fans have asked me throughout this entire week and the text message chains I'm on or just the individual ones. Shout out to a few of my favorite Giant fan friends, Phil DeLemi, Brett Child, Matt Schneier, Ron Schneider, some of the family members as well. Ari Schneider, shout out Uncle Steve. But one of the things is, what are you worried about most? What's the biggest thing you're worried about? So I want to start with mine, see where you're at on that, and then get yours, Nick. The biggest one for me, and this goes into what we just discussed uh, a few, a little, a little while ago with Mike, um, who was covering the Eagles. Is this is very similar to what the Giants saw last week in the sense that it is like a Fangio principle defense, and the Eagles are have relied all season, and I think, will continue to, on winning with that four man pressure and having the rest kind of drop back in coverage, a, a four man rush, seven dropping. And if that's the case, we need a good game from Evan Neal because this is going to be the whole Giants offensive attack today. Or I'm sorry, on Saturday is going to be predicated on can Evan Neal hold up, in my opinion, because if they're rushing four and they're dropping seven, they're already at an advantage in coverage right from the start. And if they're able to get easy wins like we've seen sometimes against Evan Neal this season with with just rushing four men, just a one on one matchup, whoever's matched up against Neal. It's going to derail the entire game, in my opinion, for the Giants. I think it'll, it'll it'll kind of kill the game. So that's where I start. My biggest concern right now is can Evan Neal hold up? Because I don't want to have it turn to, oh, let's put a tight end there. Oh, let's put Barkley out there and have him chip and release. Because at that point, when you're dropping seven and you have guys chipping and releasing, you're allocating extra guys to protecting the passer, you're, you're at such a disadvantage in the passing game from a number standpoint.
1: When you look at the Week 14 game with Evan Neal, and it's something that concerns me a little bit, Hassan Reddick had two sacks against Evan Neal. Not too much of a surprise. Hassan Reddick is an excellent player. But both sacks came with Hassan Reddick knowing that he needed to close inside of the B-gap. If you remember the first sack, well, one of the sacks actually wasn't Reddick. It was Brandon Graham. But the first sack that he surrendered, the one to Hassan Reddick, Reddick worked hard up the pass rushing arc, got Evan Neal to flip his hips, quickly came right back inside and hit Daniel Jones. The second sack against Brandon Graham was a bull rush where he wasn't going high side like Zadarius Smith. He wasn't trying to win through the outside shoulder each time he was pushing the inside shoulder to keep that B gap secure. And I'm not sure if that's a coaching point, Dan, from Jonathan Gannon or just happenstance, but I would be hard pressed to believe That this defense is going to allow Daniel Jones to run through the B-gap like the Vikings did. Look, it happened in the first quarter. It happened in the second quarter. That 20-play drive, Daniel Jones consistently did it but there was never any freaking adjustment to it. It was the wildest thing I have ever seen. Jonathan Gannon's defense is not going to do that. Look, they'll pin their ears back. They'll try to win high side, but they're going to be cognizant of the fact that Daniel Jones loves to use his legs and step up into the B gap. And I think if you stifle Daniel Jones's rushing ability, if you remove that aspect, it's going to put so much more pressure on the Giants to actually throw the football. And if they are playing quarters, or even if they're just playing you know, more cover two, and they're sitting on quick game, and they're sitting on those quick little routes, What will the Giants counterpunch be? I have faith that Mike Kafka will find a counterpunch, but is that counterpunch powerful enough to stop the Eagles and defeat the Eagles? And I think that is kind of where I'm at right now. I think the counterpunch will be there. It's just, is it powerful enough to put enough points on the board to halt and, and, and stifle the offense led by freaking possible MVP candidate, Jalen hurts.
2: And that's the interesting side of it to me, keeping just on the offense side of the ball, we can talk. We're obviously going to talk a little bit about the other side, but I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I feel very, I feel a lot more confident in the Giants offense this week than I do the Giants defense this week. This is just not a good matchup for the Giants defense by any means, but I'm hoping I'm wrong on that. And I'm hoping they just have a sick game. You just never know. Cause the big factor in that, and we'll talk about that when we get to it is Leonard Williams. And we're going to get to that. Cause that's the biggest X factor in this game, in my opinion, but on the offense side of the ball, what I'll be curious to see is, you know, Mike, who we talked to uh, about the Eagles said it is a defense that really does is okay with, um, you know, and this is kind of true of all Fangio defense, but We'll let you go 15, 16 plays down the field, and then we'll stop you when you're in the red zone. You're going to kick a field goal, and we're going to win games because you're going to keep kicking field goals. But in your mind going into this thing, how do you think Kafka will – now, again, like you said, maybe he'll have to adjust if if Gannon takes things away, but just starting game plan, do you think he's going to try to do that by running the football and things we saw earlier in the season or by running similar to what we've seen lately, a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of shotgun, a lot of quick game? Because I do think – As good as this Eagles defense is, there is an opportunity for the Giants. If they're they're on point like they've been, just run that same quick game passing game against this style of defense.
1: I think he will do that if the opportunity presents itself. I think a lot of it's going to depend on the defense that the Philadelphia Eagles roll out there. I think the Giants will probably come out in 11 personnel. But as we've seen, the Giants have had success in 11 personnel. I also think the Pony Package, which we saw a lot in Minnesota... That's going to be a big part of this game plan against. So that's 21 personnel, but it's not the same type of 21 personnel that the Vikings employed because CJ Ham and Matt Breida are two completely different players. And I love the way Mike Kafka has utilized 21 personnel because it is kind of getting into the heads of the defense to be like, how do we match this personnel grouping? I guess we're just going to roll out there with our nickel package. But now you have Saquon Barkley at wingback, Saquon Barkley in the slot, Matt Breida at wingback, Matt Breida in the slot. And it's just kind of a different look that teams have not necessarily prepared for. But now it's on tape. So I'm sure Jonathan Gannon will go to the well and, and figure out a way to stop that. I just hope that Mike Kafka, and I know that Mike Kafka, will adjust to whatever the defense is doing. I think we're going to see a little bit more Saquon Barkley, but I don't think they're just going to be like, all right, Daniel Jones are only throwing the football 20 times in this game. No, they're going right. to allow Daniel Jones to cook, and they're going to allow Daniel Jones to use his legs if the opportunity presents itself, and they'll allow Daniel Jones to work that quick passing attack because it has been working. I think we'll also see some RPOs, I think we'll also see some zone reads. Look, Mike talked about how Daniel Jones only rushed four times. In that game, he's not only rushing four times in this game. It's going to be a lot more than four times. I don't know if it'll be 17 times like it was against the Minnesota Vikings, but I think the Giants know they have to utilize Daniel Jones' athletic ability. I think it gives them the best chance to win this football game.
2: I've already, yeah, I mean, look, I've already placed the the over under passing, uh, sorry, player prop on Daniel Jones' 47 and a half rushing yards. I've placed on the over. I am a little worried about what you said with them closing the B gap for those types of runs, but I think we're going to see more design runs in this game than we even saw against Minnesota with Daniel Jones. As you mentioned, more RPO, some of that I in in zone read, some of that I feel good about, some of that I don't. I got to be honest with you, Nick, just from thinking back to all the film we've evaluated this year, I think the Giants rushing attack has been at its worst when they're running zone read. That's when I've seen the worst blocking That's when I've seen the least movement up front. I've seen much better movement when they're doing different things. The trap, the wham blocks, some like last week when they ran a play with State Bomb Barkley to the to the perimeter. Even some of just like doing inside, it just feels like with with some of what they've done in the zone read game, it's been it's been countered, it's been figured out. Defenses are now accounting for Daniel Jones at all times in within that. And sometimes now they've done a good job of like seeing it, reading it, pre-snap, throwing the bubble to Richie James. And that could be there for them. But as far as the run game comes, I'll be really interested to see. Cause I do think they're going to. Upgrade and, and uptick the usage of Daniel Jones as a design runner in this game. Maybe he won't scramble as much with more design runs, but I'm curious to see how they do it because there were different ways we saw in film last week, right? The quarterback power. Like there were interesting things they've done throughout the season with Jones. It wasn't, hasn't always just been zone read.
1: No, it hasn't always been zone read. And the zone read is also a, a kind of whenever it is an RPO and Daniel Jones goes in the mesh point, hands it off, people tend to call it a zone read if you don't see the fact that there are wide receivers running routes right. as well. But I hope to see a little bit of more RPO. We haven't seen I, I don't think as much of it recently, but I think it is one way to keep this defense honest and allow Daniel Jones to use his decision-making ability to quickly get the football out of his hand or hand the football off to Saquon Barkley. But I wanted to touch on one thing too, and I think Daniel Jones is is up to the task. But we've seen Daniel Jones and I think this is a coaching point. If your first read isn't there, if you don't love what you're seeing, run. I do think as we said at the top of the show that the B gap is going to be a little bit more uh, have a presence in it, I think is is what we should say. So I hope Daniel Jones, if he doesn't like his first read and he sees that B-gap come open, because we've seen this in this season, Daniel Jones is just like, all right, I'm going to run. And then quickly, it just closes up. We didn't see it against the Vikings, but we've seen it a lot right. this season. So I think Daniel Jones also needs to be cognizant of that. And, and I'm not really 100% certain how he can counter that, but I think it's going to be one of those low-key things because there's a huge difference, Dan, from uh, say if it's second and eight a second and or third and 15 because he gets sacked or a third and five because he picks up two yards with his legs. So that's going to be one of the, uh, one of the more important aspects, I think on offense for the New York giants, just how he discerns when he runs and how he runs against that Eagles front. Yeah, that's a great
2: point because if they are closing that B gap and it's not there and you said, I don't really know how he can counter it. I'm trying to think of ways as you said that racking my brain of like, how can he counter that? I guess the idea would be you, you kind of go through your full your full progressions and get to the other side of the field. And hopefully there's something open over there, but you're right. If they're, you can't imagine, right. After watching that Vikings game on film, obviously, Gannon, they're doing that. They're not, they're preparing heavily for this game. You can't imagine. They'd see what the Vikings did with those pass rushers, rushing up the arc and be like, yeah, let's do the same thing, right? Like, they, they understand, like, look at all these plays the Vikings gave up that that the Vikings in a lot of those situations had dead to rights. Like, there was nothing open the passing game. It would have been a dead play where it's either incomplete, maybe tipped up, intercepted, a sack, and now it's turning into a huge positive gain for the Giants because the big gap's open and Jones is running with it 17 times, like you said. Some were designed, but most were scrambles. They're going to take that away. That's like probably the first thing they're going to look to take away. I'm curious what you think would be. I think maybe some th- some ways to kind of counter that would be just like you said, add more RPO into the game, right? Have some of those quick hitting RPO in breaking slants off the RPO, things of that nature. But I'm wondering what other ways you think the Giants can counter that.
1: I think they're going to use the 21 personnel package. Look, We yeah. saw six, I think it was five or six runs that we have not seen this season from that package. True, And that's pretty impressive, man. Like The end around to Darius Slayton, you had the Statue of Liberty, you had the wingback handoff on third down, you had the jet sweep, Brita. which we've seen several times, to Brita. You had the that's Brita cool.
2: four-yarder on second and five. I forgot what that you had was. Yeah,
1: the 28-yard touchdown. That was also yep. – and how did the Giants manifest that? They took Daniel Bellinger, they moved him to one side, and then they brought Matt Brita in motion, and all the linebackers went that way. I think the right. – I don't even like calling it smoke and mirrors. I think it's just smart football. I think using deception – Yeah, good scheme, using deception to set up a numbers advantage to the boundary. I think Uh, that might have been a field run, but either way, the Giants have ran that stuff to the boundary before, just to kind of keep the Eagles honest is another way to possibly eliminate those linebackers from the play and allow your Andrew Thomas's and your John Felicianos and your Isaiah Hodgins of the world to feast on defensive backs. And that's, I think, one way that that touchdown might happen, yeah. That's what I like
2: the most about those kinds of runs from that package. It's not like you're not relying on these guys like you are, like we saw sometimes earlier this season in the zone read to win with these these double teams up front and just ways that honestly this offensive line has not done a good job winning with all year. We don't have the personnel right now, in my opinion, to win with those. But when you get them on the move on the perimeter, yeah, they can do a good job. Yeah, they can get out in space and make a play. And also you allow Saquon Barkley more space and more room to do his thing. Or if it's Breida and what what you mentioned about that pony 21 personnel actually stands out to me. I've seen a lot of coaches try to run different types of packages like that at different times with those like eye candy decoys on the field. Jason Garrett did it sometimes, but it's not just him, other coordinators. And a lot of the times they won't actually give the ball to Brita. Brita will just always be the fake. But this, I, what I love about what Kafka's done is he's given the ball to Brita on multiple occasions. So now you have that all on tape. It's not like you can just be like, ah, yeah, well, we'll pretend like we're worried about Brita, but we know this is either going to go to Barkley or be a play action pass. They have to actually account for Brita because he's getting the ball sometimes.
1: They do it all the time too. This is something that yep. goes back earlier in the season. Even with Matt Breida, with Richie James, there have been a lot of times the Giants have run jet motion, and they just never handed the football off. But third and short, fourth and short, the Giants have been apt to give that football off, and they've had success too. It's not like they're breaking out these huge runs off of it, but they are converting on those on those small or the, on those short types of situations. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm excited to see how Kafka counter punches whatever the hell the the Jonathan Gannon coach defense puts out there but I'll say this too man we know the Giants have ranked or they did rank dead last in the league in explosive plays this year yet you watch that Eagles game from week 14 yeah they were down I get it there were probably three opportunities where Isaiah Hodgins or Darius Slayton beat Darius Slay and James Bradbury, Bradbury deep. And it wasn't all on Daniel Jones. Sometimes Evan Neal gave up a sack. I think Mark Lewinsky gave up a sack. So a lot of it was the offensive line breaking down, but it's not even like it was like, Oh, it was four seconds into the play. No, it was like an average time to where if that protection did hold up, maybe Daniel Jones would have threw the football. And that's one of my criticisms of Daniel Jones is he doesn't take those shots enough. Cause as we've said several times through this podcast, Dan, He has the physical capabilities to do so. He has the arm strength and the velocity and the touch to make those throws. Just sometimes he's a little hesitant too, but maybe they try to go back to that too. Look, I understand, man. They don't create explosive plays. He has a low yards per attempt. I get all that, but would it shock you if the protection holds up or if it's a six, seven man protection, if those double moves work, that Mike Kafka gets a little bit aggressive and tries to air it out to create some explosive plays.
2: No, we're not talking me at all. I'm glad glad you brought this up. I don't know how we made it through the whole preview on the Eagles podcast without bringing this up because this is something that I was thinking about all week. Thinking about the game tape we watched against the Eagles in week 14. I throw out the last week 18 because it just wasn't, you know, Giants are playing all backups. But in week 14, there were multiple occasions where they ran those double moves and they were open and the Giants didn't throw them in that spot. But you know for sure this week. Daniel Jones and Mike Kafka and that whole crew is watching film from both weeks and they're watching film from week 14. And they're like, look at this opportunity. Look at that opportunity. Look at this opportunity. Look at that opportunity. And something we've seen with Daniel Jones lately is he's done a really good job. And I think a lot of this has to do with just getting more comfortable within the system, more time, getting more comfortable with these receivers as well. But lately, he's done a really good job of adjusting to things that he sees or that the coordinator and him work together to see. And you're starting to see examples. I mean, we brought it up on the film last week. There were multiple examples of Daniel Jones seeing something on tape, recognizing it and doing a good job to 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 actually put it in to play on film, because it's one thing to see it and be like, oh, yeah, look, I had the double move open there. I didn't throw it. next time. I'll do it. And you just don't throw it because you just don't see it in real time or whatever happens, the pass rush. But. I think lately he's done a really good job of adjusting to what he's seeing and what he's being taught and what he's being told might be open and actually throwing it. So I think that could be the big X factor in this game as far as plays go, not personnel, but plays. If they can just hit one of those double moves early to one of these receivers, Hodgins, who runs, I think, runs a very good double Hodgins to me. It, I'm watching. I've been watching some a lot of Hodgins film lately. Some like just, dude, I don't know what people like. People are looking for speed. They're looking for. Athleticism. They're looking for all these like combine numbers and flash as you're watching them play. But there's a lot of underrated ability in Hodgins' game as a route runner, man. Like there's all these other things he does well, but route running, I see him setting up these routes and setting up these defensive backs. I remember him talking about how he learned this from Stefan Diggs. So I think. Diggs is a good athlete Diggs is not an all pro athlete but he's one of the best receivers in the nfl a lot of it is that he attacks the d-back in the route you see hodgins doing all these things with his legs with his body movement to kind of set up these defensive backs get them off guard and then explode a different way or move a different direction and now they're all and you saw that against the eagles with that double move against bradbury slayton obviously also had one as well and slayton has a lot a lot more speed than hodgins but i think Hodgins is a better route runner he sets up his routes better I think there's going to be opportunities for both. If they can just hit either one of those two on one of those double moves, make the catch, maybe get all the way to the end zone or convert after the big play. That's the type of thing that could change this game.
1: It can definitely change this game. And then another thing too, when it comes to the double moves, if the yeah. Giants can pass in quick game, that's going to set up those double moves. That's one of the reasons right. why the double moves work because a quick passing attack, it's rhythm. It's a one-step drop, two-step drop, three-step drop, whatever it is out a shotgun or if it's out of, single back giants have been op- operating out of shotgun a lot, two by two sets. You use a, a slant flat. It's a simple combination from like a five, six yard slant, get inside. If you successfully complete that a couple different times, those cornerbacks are going to start sitting right. and they're going to start baiting and they're going to want to try to jump that route to get an interception. And I think that's one way. And Isaiah Hodgins and a Darius Slayton can just stick and then just go a slow go route. We saw Darius Slayton cook Patrick Peterson in on the Christmas Eve game in that with that same type of route concept. And I think that's one way to create explosive plays, which is something we're all trying to create. Look, the Giants, 10 of I think their league low might have been 48 explosive plays so far this season came against the Minnesota Vikings. That's not a coincidence. The Minnesota Vikings are very bad. The Eagles defense is much better. They have much better personnel and they are playing at a much cohesive level. But I'll say this. They can still be had. And they still want those interceptions and they still want that glory. So I think the double moves, if the Giants can get that quick game going, which they can, I mean, like, it's not impossible, right? Like they're not going up against champ Bailey. Like Darius Slay is very good. James Bradbury is very good, but you can still pass on these guys. And I think the rhythm that this Giants team has can allow them to do so. It's just, can the protection hold up long enough when that first read is not there? And I think, as we said at the top of the show, that's probably one of my biggest concerns from an offensive standpoint. And that's a great point because, you know, you saw
2: that game in week 14 when you watched the tape, like you said, you have a good memory of it, Nick. There were two plays where they had a chance at deep plays. Daniel Jones can't be blamed for them when Evan Neal breaks down. And the other one was when Mark Glinski breaks down. My hope is that Glinsky's played a lot better of late and that'll carry mm-hmm. over Neal. I can't say the same for, but we just, as I said this week to somebody on Twitter, I was like, this would be the perfect time for the random Evan Neal breakout game. There's nothing to kind of lead me to believe it's going to happen, but random. I'll take a random Evan Neal breakout game. Like, he just has a game where we're looking back we're like, oh, my God, Evan Neal. He just he just played great, like, and out of nowhere. And, like, this is the game for it, obviously. And as you mentioned, I will say this about those corners. Look, one thing I'll stick to, everyone I've talked to about the Eagles that watches the tape. We just talked to Mike, who confirmed this. I've talked to Ben. So Bradbury's having an amazing year. I know some Giants fans are like, he's not having that good of a year. No, no. Everyone who watches the film, and those are the people I actually trust, say he's having an amazing year. It does bother me, Nick, that he wanted to be a giant. They really tried to, like, figure it out. Then they're just changed, like, I, I, I can't do anything. I've restructured Leonard. I've restructured Dory. These are contracts you don't even want to restructure. I'm restructuring it. I just can't do anything. It does frustrate me that we're in this big matchup. It's a divisional round. And they have Bradbury and we don't. When very well, we should have Bradbury if we just didn't sign the, the Kyle Rudolphs, the Logan Ryans, the Nate Solder push back, keep pushing it back of the world. And so, as all these people are now like revisionist history on Dave Gettleman, because he hit on a few first round picks that are top six and he did do well on Lawrence, right? It's like, we'll factor everything in because this is frustrating as hell to me, dude. Like, they really wanted Bradbury here. Shane waited all the way to the end, tried to do everything in his power to keep Bradbury here. And this would be a very different game, in my opinion, if the Giants had Bradbury. I don't even know who the Eagles will play out there. They can't play Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's a slot guy. So it's like, that would be a liability that we had. And then we have a guy like Bradbury. And it's like, Bradbury, maybe he didn't fit Wink's system. I know people say that, but he's definitely a good a Fucking good as hell fit for what the Eagles are running. That style of defense, that Fangio based defense. And it just it frustrates the hell out of me. But I will say this. At the very least, there is the silver lining of Bradbury can get beat on vertical routes. Bradbury can get beat on those double moves.
1: I'll say this though, to counter that. The system that Jonathan Gannon runs fits James Bradbury so well in the sense that we know James Bradbury is best when he is reading and reacting to the routes that are in front of him. That was my big takeaway when the Giants signed him after he was a free agent from the Carolina Panthers. And he s- substantiated all of that throughout his time with New York and Patrick Rams system. That's something I'm a little afraid of because he can read these quick game. He yeah. will read the two, go into the flat. If they're running that Kathy type of coverage, that cut, I think he can jump that. And that's a dangerous situation for the Giants to be in. Yeah. He's so good clicking and closing and playing aggressively through the catch point. But as we've said, that can hopefully set up double moves, which we've seen throughout this season watching the film of Bradbury. But he's a phenomenal cornerback. I miss James Bradbury. I think he would still fit in with what Wink is doing just because his best trait. He's, he's faster than management. Fabian Moreau,
2: right? Like he's more athletic than Fabian yeah, Moreau, who we have
1: out Of with. course. And Fabian Moreau is a little bit more of his own guy, too, I, I think right. I would say, right? Like the thing about James Bradbury, yeah, his best fit might not be with a Wink Martindale coach defense, but just because it's not your best fit doesn't mean that you can't have right. success.
2: Yeah. And it is what it is. We don't need to harp on it, but it in this game, it it does matter because we're playing the Eagles. It's a it's a big difference. And it's literally only because of the disaster from a financial standpoint that the last GM put the, put this current GM in. And we didn't, I mean, maybe we didn't expect to go on this run. I get it. Look, we're not expecting to be in the, but we're here now, right? We're here now. And this roster couldn't be maximized because of what that guy did. So just keep that in mind. If you're trying to like come at all these giants fans and, Make your whole case, but that's not that's not what this this talk is about. And I've given him credit for hitting on some of these players, Thomas, Dex or whatever. Like so it's not like I'm just totally blindsided here. But as far as damn, this when, matchup, you,
1: damn, like, when you go to bed at night, is the last face you see Dave Gentleman?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the last voice I hear in my head. A quarterback. They're talking about the quarterback. The quarterback. There you go. But anyway. Back to this matchup and back to the what where the Giants have going in this one. That, that does scare me, what you said about Bradbury potentially jumping some of these routes. I think that scares me even more than Slay because Bradbury's spatial awareness and his ability, like you said, is just unbelievable in those situations. But maybe that is something that leads the Giants to go a little bit more run heavy early. I don't know. I'm very curious to see how they try to attack the Eagles from the start, not the adjustments they make later. That'll be determined by what happens in the game. But do they start by going more run heavy? Do they continue to go with this quick game passing game? Knowing things like you said, Bradbury's a really good cornerback who can potentially jump around, change a whole game with an interception. That would change the whole game. An early turnover for the Giants is very would be very devastating in this game. I think everybody knows that. I'm not reinventing the wheel with that kind of take, but it might change what Kafka wants to do to start.
1: It should change what Kafka yeah. wants to do to start. I mean, we saw the Giants... Early against the Philadelphia Eagles, it wasn't really successful drives. But he started the game, I think, with a slant flat, right? Yep. And then I think the drive bogged down. I don't exactly remember what happened, but I do expect those quick passing concepts. I also think, like we said, man, you're going to see Saquon Barkley too, and I think Saquon Barkley is going to be a huge factor in the as a receiver. I think when you to look at what the Eagles do, they don't bring a lot of pressure, but you need to slow down those rushers if they're winning early and often. One way to do that <laughs> is to run screens. Now, the unfortunate thing about that, Dan, the Giants suck at running screens, but can we be due? Can we be due to get Mark <laughs> Lewinsky out to the second level? And just, I feel like ever since I started uh, covering this team, this Giants team has never been good at running screens, yet they can't defend screens. Have they
2: ever been good at running a, screen in our lifetime did the Gilbride offense run screen someone can tell me no tiki or the barber offense ran screen the sean payton tiki barber yeah. offense was very good at screen so that is that was part of our lives so that happened and then since then i feel like it's been kind of just dead in the water we're like and but the worst part is we're not only a team that can't run screens we're a team that's like awful defending screen so it's just like yeah i didn't that that could help us though because i don't i haven't the eagles haven't run a good screen game this year really that's not been a big part of their offense which could help the giants
1: It could help the Giants, yeah. And I mean, we transition over to the the Eagles offense. I mean, there's a lot to account for there. I think there's going to be such an interesting chess match in terms of the personnel, how the Giants match 12, what the Eagles can do with their two tight ends. You have a 12-personnel package that includes Dallas Goddard, who cares who the other tight end is, and then Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. How are the Giants going to respond to that when they can run the football the way they run the football with the offensive line that they have. I think that's going to be a, a huge part of this game. We'll be talking about it on the All-22 review and, and after the game, but damn, dude, Giants don't want to put those linebackers out there. You got you to gotta think about it, man. None of the linebackers who are playing right now were in training camp. They signed Jalen Smith in, like, October. I think it was, like, October 1st, and then they signed Gerard Davis December 28th. Gerard Davis, if he dresses in this game, is going to play a lot of snaps. In a divisional playoff game when he was claimed... Yeah. Five minutes ago. And it's not because of injury, right? It's not like someone got injured in the Giants. No, this is because they're they're just ineffective at the second level. And you know, the Eagles know that. And we saw in week 14, they were like, okay, GH counter, GH counter, GH counter. The Giants couldn't really stop it. Quarterback power, you know, just regular power. They were just running right. a lot of power concepts along with their zone read game, which their zone read game is a lot better than the Giants' zone read game because they have that offensive line up front and you know you want to get aggressive and try to cheat down on the handoff, but if you do that, you're screwed as the end man on the line of scrimmage because Jalen Hurts is going to make you pay.
2: Yeah, that I don't really know exactly how the I feel So it's like, here's the big factor in this game. We talk about Adoree Jackson being back. That is worth a lot, and Xavier McKinney. To me, it's really just Leonard Williams. You did a great job of breaking this down and multiple times this week, Nick, but if you look at that first matchup, one thing that teams haven't done that the Eagles did in that matchup was they weren't stupid. They were like, we realize the year that Dexter Lawrence is having. We've watched enough of this tape. We're going to do everything in our power to not let him beat us. That was easier to do like you said when it was Henry Mondu lining up next to Dexter Lawrence. No offense to him. He's you know, trying out there. He's not right. The Ryder Anderson and Henry Mardus, of the world, there's not good players for the giants right now. And they're liabilities when they're on the field, to be honest, they're not liabilities in the sense that, you know, you're seeing it as much as you see with a linebacker because it's a defensive lineman. But at the same time, like you said, you can see things like that in the first game where they're just double teaming one player, Dexter Lawrence and being like, whatever you beat us. But now, and with Leonard Williams in the field, I think that could help the giants in the pass game, right. In the drop back pass game on obvious pass downs in the run game, though, doesn't really help unless they're running right at these guys and when they're running away from these guys with the plays that you just talked about that's the thing where i'm just like i'm looking for a solution but i'm scared because i don't know what that solution would be we haven't found it all year we've had a lot of reps we've had a lot of sample size to try to find a way to stop these counter runs and these runs away from those two big guys in the middle and there's been no success there's been no answer do you think that Wink could come up with an answer at the last minute right here.
1: Is it like a, a task where you're like, you know what? I just figured it out. The last minute. It's D. Let me write that down. D. Well, funny that you mentioned the letter D because there is one player who has not been a part of the Giants long, who we already brought up, who has not seen a power gap run with the Giants, really. They haven't seen many, right? Because he played in Week 18, but it's not right. like the Eagles were running their their true offense. They weren't like shoving power gap down the Giants' throat. And even if they were, it was a bunch of backups trying to fit it. So right. we haven't really seen it since, what, Washington? Because Minnesota doesn't yep. run it.
3: Right. You know,
1: Indianapolis ran it maybe a couple, a couple times, but not, not yeah. all that often. Yeah. So it's been a while. Hopefully, the Giants have learned how to fit it. I'm not optimistic about that. I'm not optimistic that Gerard Davis will step in and just be this huge difference maker in terms of defending that because a lot of the people I know who cover the Detroit Lions do not have a lot of positive things to say about Gerard Davis. But right. it is the difference in what this defense was doing prior when they couldn't defend it to now. So we'll have to, I guess, wait and see. But I think that's another thing on uh, if I'm the Eagles offensive coordinator, if I'm Shane Steichen, I'm like, yeah, we're going to try to run GH counter because all season they just like, think about it. Baltimore. Jacksonville, you just go through Eagles. Both Washington games. I think there's another one. Dallas. Dallas, They were crush. So So it's yeah. It's just a it's a power running concept that the Giants really really struggle to fit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back as far as good Giants teams goes, ones that actually make the playoffs. I've never seen a team have just one thing. They just cannot figure out any way to stop. They can't even allocate more resource. That doesn't help. There's just literally no answer. For me, the answer is figure out a way to get the Eagles to and this happens a lot with coordinators in the NFL to just find themselves falling into a trap where they're passing the ball a lot more than they than they want to or than they not that they want to than they should against a team like this. Like if I'm the Eagles offensive coordinator, I'm literally making the Giants stop those GH counters and those, you know, outside runs that that move away from Leonard and, and Dexter. Until they do. And then once they do, maybe I'll start to throw the ball a little. And I know that I have A.J. Brown. I know that I have Devon smith But I also know that if I can just keep running the ball at the Giants, I'm going to burn clock. I'm going to keep Daniel Jones in the offense off the
1: field. I'm probably going to win the football game. So we talked about this, Mike, right? The Eagles don't adjust all that much. They have their system. It's an RPO-based right. system. And they trust Jalen Hurts to use his decision-making to make the defenses pay. That's different. And Mike Kafka, and that is different than Brian Dable and what the New York Giants have done all season. We highlighted that in the previous podcast. but That can be, I would say, a check in the box for the New York Giants because if Definitely. Wink Martindale figures out a way to stop, slow down that Eagles passing attack and that rushing attack, they're not used to making as much adjustments. Obviously, they're football minds, they're professional coaches, they're good at it, but. I feel like the Giants are much more flexible in terms of the players and what they've done all season, adjusting to different schemes than, say, the Philadelphia Eagles. So if the Giants can come out early and set a tone and hold the Eagles down and and maybe give up only like three points in the first couple drives, things might start to get a little interesting there because we're going to have to see some counter punches from Shane Steichen in that offense, and we're not really certain if they're as adept as the New York Giants are at throwing those counter punches.
2: I think that's a great point because you look at other teams that have the Giants have done things against like, for example, uh, Dallas with Kellen Moore, Dallas and Kellen Moore are used to adjusting and they've done different things, especially in the run game on that offense. And they did against Wink Martindale. They adjusted and they beat him in that the first game, that second half was like a masterclass from Kellen Moore. He dominated Wink Martindale in that game. But on the flip side, everything I've heard about the Eagles is they just, like you said, they stick to their system. And if, even if you do want to adjust, like, they are professional coaches. I'm not taking that away from them, but if you're trying to adjust and do different things that you're not used to and you haven't practiced a lot, like you know, we talked about with Sean with the Vikings, they're not just going to come out and run GH counter, they haven't run pulling, they haven't really pulled their offensive linemen all year, they're not ready to do that, or they're not prepared, they don't feel comfortable. That is something that does you know tick a box for the Giants here. It also, I mean, if they could just get out to a lead somehow, the Giants in this one, 10 nothing, 13 nothing, seven nothing, even. That's when you start to see maybe the Eagles will start to rely too much on the passing game. And that works in the Giants' favor. I really feel like I understand A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are there. And Quez Watkins against Darnay Holmes in the slot is not good, especially because he's willing to throw the seam. Jalen Hurts and a lot of quarterbacks don't throw the seam. He throws the seam. But still, man, just as long as they're dropping back and passing, it does give the opportunity for Dex, for Kayvon Thibodeau. Easy if he can play through the whole game, I know he's going to start the game or try to start the game. We'll see if he can play more than a handful of snaps. And then obviously Leonard Williams, the big X factor to make plays that impact the passer in the run game. I don't know what they're going to do to stop it. That's why it, for me, it, it does come down to like, almost think like, you know, I do love deferring in football. I'm a big defer guy in Madden. I always defer in Stratomatic. I always defer. I want the ball at half. I think you get an advantage. But this might be a game where the Giants look to take the ball, and I don't think they will, But and just try to get out to an early lead to impact how the Eagles want to play on offense.
1: Yeah, and to see exactly what they do. And I think the, another big X factor in the game is just Jalen Hurts' health. Look, it's been over a month, as Mike said, since that injury. You take one shot from 342-pound Dexter Lawrence. It's difficult to, to imagine that that shoulder won't be a little bit sore if it's a right. healing type of shoulder. None of us are doctors here. But this is just kind of human beings being human beings. So I think the Giants need to get hits. Not talking about bounties. Nothing stupid like that. But you need to pressure and you need to hit Jalen Hurts. And you need to, hey, if you want to run, cool. We're going to freaking nail you, though. And that's the way it should be with quarterbacks, right? Like, you should look to annihilate the quarterback if he opts to run. Thing is, this is the NFL – the guy just drops and slides. It's like the biggest deal if you just go in on him when you're running full I speed. It's a that. little I know, little ridiculous, in my opinion. Really, really goes against the defense. So the Giants need to also be disciplined while they're doing it. But I think you need to just get pressure and, and hit this guy. I also don't know if they're going to blitz as much as they did in the season. I think they blitzed 43.9% of their defensive snaps this year. Against Minnesota, it was 22% significant downgrade. I think they'll blitz more than 22%, but I don't think they're going to blitz up to a 43.9% unless they get desperate and they're down and they really try to make a play or something of that nature.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download BetWin. Download the WinBet app now or visit w. Ynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the Win Bet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During Winbet Win Hour, Marquee Games of the Week will have better odds on Winbet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be twenty-one or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call one 800 4700 I was running low on some groceries, so naturally, I went to a store that sells said groceries to look for my refreshments. There I was in the beverage aisle, and I saw these tall boys of what I originally thought was beer, but it was actually in the bottled water section, and it was mountain spring water from the Alps, and it was called Liquid Death. And I thought to myself, do I want to try this beverage that is named Liquid Death because I hear it brutally murders your thirst. And their recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. And they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those are some pretty cool causes. So I bought myself some Liquid Death and I enjoyed it. I was parched and then I drank it, so I was not. So if you want to try some of this Liquid Death, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue it's interesting me and you, we,
2: we agree on a lot of things. I guess it goes with like seeing the game the same way and watching a lot of film together, but we do, we have a disagreement here, which never, which doesn't happen a lot. So I will bring it to, to light here. Part of what for me. So I think they're going to blitz heavy in this game. I'll explain why my thought process on why I think they're going to blitz heavy from the start and throughout one. I think the giants, like I said, need to get the Eagles into a mode where they're where they want to pass the football they're throwing it early they're throwing it often they're throwing it on downs where they can run the ball because that works the Giants advantage but also I think if you just let the Eagles like we said earlier they run the similar they run their system and it's like they'll beat you with their system a lot of the reason they can beat you with their system is they throw a lot to the outside to those outside receivers and they're in one-on-ones and those guys just win those But if you're blitzing early, right, and you're actually getting pressure with your blitzes, and I saw this a little bit in that Week 18 game against the Eagles, even though we were using backups out there. It was a very blitz-heavy scheme in that, I believe. I don't have the numbers behind that, but just felt like that watching that game. We can confirm that later. But if you're getting, if you're blitzing and you're actually getting pressure, you're forcing, and I saw that a lot of those plays, hurts to escape the pocket. Then what does that do? It throws off the complete timing of the play. And you're not as likely to be able to, when you're sitting back there and you're, you're facing like a split safety look, he can still throw that outside ball to those wide receivers. And maybe the safety can make a play on it. Maybe he can't. It's good receivers. but When you're forcing him off and you're forcing him to scramble or move, yeah, maybe he'll kill you a couple times with a run. But sometimes he's going to roll and look for these receivers. And now the whole timing of the play is thrown off. And this is not a team that's done as well, in my opinion, from watching the Eagles when they're moving off script and they're kind of off time. They've done a lot better, in my opinion, when they're on time. And J- Jalen Hurts is throwing with anticipation on the outs. And he's just competing people with the numbers or up the seam, like Mike said, he's been really good with those seam balls, but all of those passes, the seam balls or the outside, the numbers, those, those are all from the pocket really with Jalen hurts. He's been really much better in the pocket. So I do think wink might look at this, like, let's just go for it. Let's move him off the spot. Let's ruin the timing of this offense. And let's see what happens if we disrupt the timing. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, I think you misinterpreted me. I'm just saying, I don't know if they're going to blitz up to. Oh, 40, no, no, 15. I didn't. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I think they're going to blitz, and I think they also should crowd the line of scrimmage to try to get one-on-one matchups for Dexter Lawrence, because as I posted on Twitter, it's, it's a situation where I don't want Jason Kelsey to have help from Isaac Ciamalu or Landon Dickerson, right? Right. I think you need to try to get those one-on-one matchups. One way you do that is you put seven on the line of scrimmage, but that means you could have some sort of liability on the back end. But I think you're right in terms of getting Jalen hurts off the spot. And I do think that wink Martindale will end up bringing some sort of pressure, some sort of blitz. It's going to be apex. I'm wondering if he's going to try the cross dog like they did against Justin Fields in week three. I think we've only saw that like once since then. And that's what good. It against? I mean,
2: did it against fields and it was another Russian quarterback, whatever, either
1: way, either way, regardless, yeah. I do believe it is important to get that pressure. I just don't know how the giants or if the giants trust their coverage in man coverage enough to not have a rat in the hole to maybe have in cover one single high, you send the pressure and then you have a one-on-one matchup with Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, and then the one that I'm really scared of, Devonta Smith. I think A.J. Brown's going to get a Dory Jackson treatment. A.J. Brown can beat a Dory Jackson. A Dory Jackson can get the best of A.J. Brown once in a while. The Fabian Moreau situation, that I'm a little nervous about. And I'm also wondering if Cordell Flott will get more reps and more looks at a guy like Devonta Smith. That doesn't mean I'm confident about it. I don't know if the Giants have anybody that they can put on Devonta Smith that will make me feel comfortable about that situation. Dallas Goddard. You could do what you did in the second half against Minnesota or specifically on those last two drives with Xavier McKinney when you yeah. are in man. coverage. I think the Giants will use some man, right? And I don't, just don't know how many times they're going to bring the six. And if they do, they need to freaking get home. And that's the big part. You need to get home if you're going to allocate those guys to the pass rush. I think the Giants look wink winks, right? He didn't wink last week, but this week he may wink and he may bring that pressure. I just don't know if it's going to be to a rate of 49.3% unless the Giants are down like they were against the Eagles because they blitzed, I think, 50% on each of those Eagles games, but they were down big in both of those games. Let's hope that's not the case.
2: Yeah, we don't want them to be doing it out of necessity, but I look at it like almost like gambling to me, Nick. It's like uh, I'll use a poker reference that I'm sure you're going to love. You have the A-side flush draw. Some guy re-raises you on the flop. He probably has the set or the overpair. But you're going to you're gonna push your chips in the middle with a 36% chance to hit that flush draw, and maybe you have an ace live, maybe. So maybe you have like a 43% chance. And that's how I view it because I think if they sit back and they don't blitz, they're not going to have success on defense. That's just how I view this thing. And I don't know that if they do blitz, they're going to have success. Like you said, they don't really have answers in man. They don't really have answers for if they blitz and Jalen Hurts gets out and escapes. That's going to be big plays too. But at least if you blitz, you have a chance to disrupt the timing. You have a chance to get an errant throw. You have a chance. Different things can happen to me that I'm not so sure will happen if they don't blitz in this game. I think from the personnel standpoint, if they don't blitz them, yeah, you can hope and pray that these four four, uh, defensive linemen, who are good players, are great players, can get pressure. But it's pressure against Jordan Maialata, Lane Johnson, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, and um, Sam Molo, however you pronounce that guy's name. Who's not? Who's the worst of that five, and still definitely better in my opinion than either of the Giants' guards. So it's like I don't know if there's an answer if they just drop back and let him do it. I'm not saying the answer is blitz because that may suck too, but at least that I feel like that gives them a better chance.
1: Well, like anything, you mix it up, right? Like you're not going to be predictable, but that also gives you a really good chance to hit Jalen Hurts, which I feel like is one of the more important factors to the defense actually having success. So it makes sense and be a better chance to stop the run if you run blitz. Yes, and I think you have to do that, especially if you're getting carved up by the GH counter, right? Mm-hmm. And that that could lead to some some other plays if it's if you predict wrong and then they end up doing something else, right, and now you're out of right. prediction. You have one less defender in that area, but I think mm-hmm. that's the nature of this beast. Look, the Giants' defense they they have these healthy players returning, and that's all well and good. But even with that, you look across the aisle and you look at that personnel on offense, and that is one of the most dangerous offenses in the league. You have the That's Kansas insane. City Chiefs because they had Patrick Mahomes, and you have the Cincinnati Bengals. You have the Buffalo Bills. The Philadelphia Eagles are right in that conversation with Jay, with a healthy Jalen Hurts, with that offensive line, with one of the best tight ends in the league. And name a yeah. duo, name a duo better than AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Not named T. Higgins and Jamar Chase.
2: Outside of corner quarterback, they have by far to me by far and away the best personnel on offense. When you can when you factor in all five of those offensive linemen, Dallas Goddard, those two receivers, and even Miles Sanders, who's not amazing but he's pretty talented.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think kind of game well is like a, a fine running back yeah. and then we all know what Boston Scott can do as well. So is not a bad three. But even with that, and I think Mike kind of alluded to this. Look, there is disparity in talent, obviously, but it's not like this is grown adults going against children. The New York Giants are still professional football right. players. So a bounce of the ball here, a bounce of the ball there, the Giants can end up winning this football game. I think if they could set a tone early on both sides of the football, it can really give them a a more significant chance. If you can get the Eagles, who might be a little bit rusty because they haven't played in a while, if you can get them out of rhythm, You know, put it in their heads like, oh my God, are we really on the ropes right now against the New York Giants? Like, what the hell? If you can put that in their heads, you can win the mental game, which can also go a long way in winning a football game. So I think there are paths to victory for the New York Giants, but I think things need to break right for them and they need to play efficient football on both sides of the football. That's kind of been the story of the Giants. Don't beat yourselves, don't make mistakes, come up big in big situations. That's Wink Martindale's defense. That's been the Giants' offense in the red zone and and, and everything, so I think they have all to right. replicate what they've been doing all season against a pretty formidable foe.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you. All right, Nick. Anything else on this matchup? Anything other final thoughts we have heading into this game?
1: You know, I hope the Giants win, bro. Like so, much. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Like just listening to like and and like Philadelphia Eagles fans they're and just so how confident. they talk. like they're confident, and I get that, but. If the Giants can win this game, we talked about this with the Entertainer. I think you left at this point. Or maybe you were there. It would help put a tourniquet, a really secure tourniquet, on the devastating losses through the years. The Miracle of the Meadowlands, Mm. the Matt Dodge punt, right? All of the... Recent losses at the link, the Evan Ingram drop, the 43-yard field goal by Jake Elliott, the 61-yard field goal by Jake Elliott, the blown 17-3 lead by Eli Manning in 2019, it would help put a huge tourniquet on that. It would be such a checkmark in the New York Giants' favor in terms of the historical matchup between these two franchises, and I want that so bad, Dan. Yeah, me
2: too, man. It would be so sick to get to play in the conference championship round this season. This is, this is how money. I think we'll do podcast after regard. Like if the giants lose or win this game, it's an amazing season. It really doesn't matter at this point to me, this is an incredibly uh, successful season, regardless. It could be even better if they win, it could be even more successful, yeah. but there's no way this, no matter what happens, even if the giants get blown out. I don't think it's a bad season. I think it was an amazing season. And I, I also have said this in the past, Nick, and it's going to stay that way, but, Even if the Giants get blown out and Dale Jones has a bad game, I still think he's made incredible progress. My opinion on him has changed completely based on the progress he's made, and this will not impact my uh, opinion on him. I know a lot of fans are, you know, every single game, so high or so low on Jones and every game has like weighted like so high for these people. They're like, this game was great. Now he's amazing. This game was bad. Now he's horrible. That's not how we look at this thing at all. And that's not how I, I shouldn't speak for you. That's not how I look at this thing at all. Not one game can make a big difference for me. It's the whole package together. So it's a win, no matter what, but I will say this, Nick, there's seven and a half point underdogs in this game. They've been a much better team on the road my entire lifetime. Right. they have been a much better team when they're underdogged my entire lifetime. It's literally how they've won both their Super Bowls in my lifetime. They've been underdogs the entire way. They were underdogs for every single game. I'm pretty sure in 2007 run and for 2011 by Vegas, obviously, is what I'm talking about. The underdog team. There are the underdogs again in this one. So it's like there are some factors that are working above the personnel for me that are just like the narrative street factors that. I don't know how much meaning they have or they don't have but it's hard to to escape them it's hard to not give them any you know any credence or any think about them at all when it's like these things have been happening a lot in my lifetime where it's just like the giants are underdogs everyone's counting them out and I think personally they have a better chance to win this game when they're underdogs than when they're favorites because it's a general like psychology thing in your head when you're expected to win this game you can get tighter if things are going wrong like you said earlier in this podcast and the Giants jump out to the lead jalen hurts throws an interception jalen hurts takes a big hit whatever it would be but when you're the uh, favorite and that type of stuff happens you might start to get tight when you're the underdog and that stuff types happen you're like yeah no one can everyone count us out you're, you're you're using that to your advantage that helps you yeah. almost and on the flip side, when you go out down, when you're the, when you're the underdog, like we can fight this back, we've done this before. We've had the, you know, we've had the experience. I've had a ton of experience this year falling behind and winning in the fourth quarter It was more so earlier in the season, but regardless it's happened. They've had that experience. The Eagles don't have that as much. They haven't faced much adversity. They fell behind to the Washington football team or the commanders and they lost that game. They didn't come back to win that football game. And most of their other wins this year have just been games where they're ahead the whole time. I know they kind of came back against the Colts in that weird game, but. Not really. It was like, did they were they ever going to lose to the Colts? It's like think,
1: seventeen so. to sixteen or something. Like, yeah, it right. It was
2: like a it was a close game where it's just like all right, whatever. They're going to win this football game. So I think all those factors are interesting to me too, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's my final thoughts on this game. The one thing I would say, this is probably for a, a maybe a larger discussion or a later date. But if the Giants can win this game and get to the conference championship game. I think at that point they can beat anybody because this Eagles team to me is the is one of the best teams remaining. You can say, well, on the other side of it, the, Chiefs ha- the, the, the AFC has the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals, and those are the three best quarterbacks remaining in my opinion by far. But those rosters are significantly worse than this Eagles roster. The Bills' past events has been really bad for a long time now. It's not what it was. I don't think it's getting back to where it was without Von Miller and with whatever. This version of Tredavious White is not the same Tredavious White. The Bengals, with three of their starting offensive linemen out, that is not going to be the same team moving forward. And then the Chiefs, their defense really hasn't been that great all season. No offense to Steve Spaggs, our boy, but like that defense has not been that good this season. So this is, to me, the same level of team they're facing. So if they can win this game, the Giants... I then get my confidence up. I famously told one of my best friends, shout out Gary Levine, who doesn't listen to the show. He's a Jets fan. But after the Giants beat the Packers in 2011, the 15 and one Packers in, in Lambeau, and that was a game they won where one, they had controversial things go against them. They had that fumble overruled or whatever it was, where it was a bull BS call that they got screwed on. They basically dominated that game against the Packers. After that game, I said, this team is winning the Super Bowl. And I never said that about a Giants team in my life. I've never had that kind of confidence. I was like, I could not be more confident they were winning the Super Bowl. They went out, they beat the Niners, Patriots, they got it done. So if they can win this game, I feel like from that point on, Nick, I'm I'm confident that they have a good chance against anyone.
1: That's what I'm hoping too, man. And I feel like I'd be right there with you, especially if the Giants come in here and they show the type of resilience that they've shown all season. So I'm really, obviously, very hopeful for the New York Giants, but it's going to be a tough task. All right. Thanks to everyone listening this week and who's been
2: following us all along. Keep it locked and loaded. More stuff to come, but... Now's the wait. Now's the calm before the storm. Giants Eagles. It's coming up in a few hours from now, depending on when you're listening to this. So have a great rest of your weekend. Try to try to stay, you know, try to not be too nervous. Try to get some sleep. I know it's hard these days. I don't think I think once it comes to Friday night, I'm gonna have a bad sleep night Friday. I just have this feeling already, Nick. Hopefully I'm wrong about that because sleep does really impact the mood. But I just think I'm going to be too nervous and too excited, really, going into Saturday.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We don't really need sleep on this end, right? Like, I'll, I'm all jacked up. I'll sleep <laughs> later, okay? I'll sleep later. Let's get the work done. Let's get ready for this game. And hopefully the Giants are sleeping a lot, because they need to be well-rested.
2: Yeah, sleep sleep is the cousin of death, Nick. I don't know if you get that reference. Probably don't. But one day, maybe you will.
1: What is it from? Is that from your show, The, the Wire
2: or whatever? <laughs> no, it's from uh, Nas. It's from Illmatic.
1: Yeah, no. Album See, you, you should
2: listen to it at some point.
1: I probably would like it. I like rap, but you you yeah. mentioned stuff. You mentioned yeah. like rappers that I've never heard of before in my life. Oh man,
2: I I'll I mean, listen I need to. to edit that out. Saying you've never heard of Nas before in your life. No, no, no,
1: no. I have heard of Nas. I, I've heard of Nas. I I haven't listened to him. I've definitely heard of Nas, but there are other rappers that I've heard you mention that I I'm not familiar with.
2: Oh, yeah, Big L. I reference reference Big L a lot. Nobody knows Big L. Big L is like a very niche reference, but still, in my opinion, the greatest rapper of all time, the best rapper of all time, best punchlines, best flow, and best lyrics. So I'm going to end the note on that for all the Big L fans. Shout out to you guys. You guys are the real ones. But anyway, go Giants. The big game coming up. We're super psyched. We can't wait to discuss it with you after.